0: Alright, you there? Yes. Alright, thanks for coming out and enduring this weather. It's awesome weather we've been having. It's been so I mean, I'm blessed by it. I love it. Hope you guys are enjoying it. I didn't know when Gary said I was gonna teach, I didn't know I was gonna drive everybody away. <laughs> but no, thanks for coming out. So tonight we're gonna teach, we're on the Psalms. And I was telling Gary, I said, Man, it's really hard because how do you like teaching? Um, I've never had a problem teaching before or sharing the word. But it's hard when you have to like, teach on something. How do you expound on this? I mean, it's so amazing. It's like, how do you really teach this of this caliber? And I, I was sitting there, and I was like, you know, Lord, I just pray that you will speak to me. So for about an hour, I sat there for my first study. I had like three words down. And I was like, oh, this is going to be hard. It was actually one of the harder lessons to teach on. So I don't know if you guys got the, um, we'll pray. But I wanted to share something before that about uh, the words of wisdom. I don't know if you guys read that on Sunday. But I, I didn't really know what to write, and I was like, you know, this came to me that the author of Psalms 119 is definitely a man that's known great trouble, um, but also is one who came through with a deep, passionate understanding of God's love and uh, just what God has for every one of us. And uh, we are all oppressed by things of this world. We're all oppressed by things of life. And the Psalms really goes in on how to break that oppression because God really does have a a plan for us. And and that's why I put in Jeremiah 29, verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. So he has that for every one of us. And we're going to see how the Psalm, how he wrote this and how 2,000, 3,000 years ago, thousands of years ago when they wrote this, the same oppressions people faced then are the same things that we face. And as Christians, we are facing so much adversity every day. And I don't know if you see it. I mean, I'm sure that the church saw it over in other countries that what's happening to Christians, man, they're killing Christians every day. China is ripping down uh, churches. They're, they're imprisoning pastors. And, and uh, this just really expounds on what's happening to the world and how we can relate to that and how we can grow and learn from that. So let's pray tonight. Dearly, Father, Lord, we just thank you for this word. We thank you for your wisdom. We thank you for the people that you've touched throughout their lives to be able to write down in this book so we can study, to be able to teach to the simple like myself. And I just pray, Father God, that you will just use me as a vessel to teach your message tonight to share with the body in this church so that we can have an understanding, so that we can have just victory We thank you, Father. We love you. We pray for everyone, that they're traveling, that you keep them safe. And when we leave, that you keep us safe. And for the people that weren't able to make it, we pray, Father, for them. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So his love for the Word of God is just, it's just throughout the whole psalm, this 119. His love, it just goes, as you read through, he talks in like 119.11, right? says that, Your word I have hidden in my heart so I might not sin against you. He had this love. And and so hopefully tonight we'll kind of learn how to have that kind of love. We see it over again in 15, 16. It was in chapter 23, 34, 44, verse 47, 55, and 60. It just goes on and on. His love for God. And tonight I hope I want to teach it a little different, um, the Psalms tonight. So hopefully that we can have a little bit different understanding. Um and have a little bit more passion for the Word. And uh, when you travel around the country and you see things differently, you kind of learn to have a little bit more passion for the Word. And so hopefully tonight, I just want you to have the Word hidden in your heart. And uh, trying to expand on this was hard, so I hope that it kind of makes sense. I want you to have a new understanding and why it's so important, why the Word of God and why this Old Testament is so important, especially in our society today. Because a lot of times we say, oh, man, the Old Testament doesn't really pertain to us, and we kind of overlook it. And uh, I'm going to go over how that's happening every day. So I just want to let you know how honored I am to be able to teach tonight and be up here. So when Zeke said he wanted to have us teach, I was really excited. I was like, man, this is awesome. I love to teach. And then he's like, we're going to teach on Psalms 119. I was like, oh, oh, I kind of got a little nervous. And so whenever Zeke asked, he's like, I've been praying for you guys. Would you teach? I was like, yeah. So he's like, all right. So he gets the schedule down. He texts it out to everybody, and this is how it works with Zeke all right, guys, I'm going to send you out. What do you want to teach on? So I I pick my phone up. I'm like, oh, awesome, right on. Then I get another text. Oh, sorry, Tyson, you took too long. Here's your verses. (laughs) I looked kind of like the minion on it to me. I was like, what? Like, how'd that work? I didn't even get to my phone yet. (laughs) Terry probably knows the same thing. But (laughs) But what's funny is, you know, I started looking at these verses and looking at this. And uh, it's like the other guys that were up here. It's it's really what God put in my heart and in my life. And I didn't really know it at the time. And I was reading through this. I'm like, how am I going to make this work? I don't understand. I was like, Lord, teach me. Help me, because I don't even know where to start. I'm not anywhere near any caliber of teacher that's in this word. So (laughs) I started to dig deep, and I started to really study and really pray. And God started opening up these verses in the word. And it's like, this is what he really called me to teach on. So it's just kind of crazy how that works. So, the, uh, I want to kind of explain to you what's happening, why this is so important to us. I was reading a story as I was doing my study, and this pastor, he's a chairman for a pulpit committee from this huge church. It's this new church, and uh, they're looking, they were looking for a new pastor. And uh, they started interviewing these top-tier pastors. You know, you see these mega-churches all over. They got coffee shops now. I went to a graduation a couple months ago at this one church, and they had... ATM machines to like do your tithe it was crazy I was like whoa man I mean you walk up there you're like whoop, throw your debit card done I mean it's so like just state of the art it's like wow this is cool and then I was reading this story and I was like wow maybe it's not so cool as he started interviewing these top tier candidates um he came to discover a discerning fact that um none of them that he interviewed they preached from the old testament this is a mega church that these people are top-tier candidates, and, you know, they got the Ph.D., the SS.D., all these different titles behind their name. They went to these, you know, sophisticated colleges, and yet they don't teach out of the Old Testament. So he was like, why is that? That was one of the questions, and I was like, yeah, why is that, you know? I was like, you know, today's Christians, we don't really read and we don't have an understanding. But what's amazing was we sit here and really plug in how, how much relevance this has to us every day especially right now with what we're going through as Christians 75 almost 75 percent of our Bibles made up of the Old Testament it's amazing but yet as Christians we're not reading it and right now in our day and our time in our society it's so important that we read and we learn and understand this and uh, I mean I'm really thankful that I go to a church you know where our leadership is really you know wanting to teach the whole Word of God not just bits and pieces so we're really, truly blessed here in our little, you know, Calvary Chapel feeling, how blessed we really are. And I was starting to think, I said, man, why is it they don't teach? And then I start to, th- I was really, this came to me because it was a quote that I never lost through my whole, like I, I heard this quote when I was a kid and it just always stuck with me. It says, if you tell a big enough lie and you tell it frequently enough, it becomes the truth. I don't know if you even know who said that. But that was Adolf Hitler. He said that if you tell a big enough lie and you tell it frequently enough, it'll become the truth. And unfortunately, that's what's happening. That's what's being taught all over our country. That's what's being taught all over the world. And we see that you don't, this is some of the things you probably heard. Oh, you don't need the Old Testament. Oh, that's old, man. That, that pertains to people thousands of years ago. That doesn't pertain to us. Um, we hear like the Bible, ah, it's not really accurate. The Bible doesn't make sense. You know, it's not real. You hear this. And then the other one, oh, you got to know Hebrew. If you really want to understand the Bible, you got to know Hebrew. You got to read the old scriptures, the old text. And, you know, that was for them thousands of years ago. And then now they're telling you, oh, you can get to heaven. You can get to heaven. You don't need that nonsense. God loves everybody. You hear that everywhere. Oh, God loves everybody. Don't worry about it. There's no hell. I mean, that's just a a little bit of what we hear every single day. But what's sad about that is that's kind of becoming the truth now because that's what a lot of Christians are believing. So... I thought that as they were interviewing these pastors, I thought that was really sad. It really was sad to me. So I hope that, hopefully this will give you a little bit different understanding, kind of a different approach that I'm taking today. So we'll start reading. We're going to read today Psalms 119. We're starting in uh, verses 21 and we're going to verse 36. I'm sorry, 121 to 136. All right. So it says, "I have done justice and righteousness. Do not let leave me to my oppressors. Be surety for your servant for good. Do not let the proud oppress me. My eyes fail from seeking your salvation and your righteous word. Deal with your servant according to your mercy and teach me your statutes. I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. It is time for you to act, O Lord, for they have regarded your law as void." Therefore, I love your commandments more than gold, yes, than fine gold. Therefore, all your precepts concerning all things, I consider to be right. I hate every false way. Your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. The entrance of your word gives light, it gives understanding to the simple. I opened my mouth and panted, for I longed for your commandments. Look upon me and be merciful to me as your custom is towards those who love your name. Direct my steps by your word, and let no iniquity have dominion over me. Redeem me from the oppressions of man, that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant, and teach me your statutes. He said, rivers of water run down my eyes, because men do not keep your law. So he, he definitely had a lot of hardship, and he understood things that I was like, wow, man, this is really profound. I don't even know how to expand on that. But if we look in 121, he says, do not lead me to my oppressor. An oppressor is considered a group of people that oppress, right? It could be a dictator. Um, they said it could be a slave driver, a tyrant. And that's what we're seeing every day happening all over the world. And He wrote this thousands of years ago. This is what he was going through, that the word of God. People were considering his, vo- his word as void, And he was being oppressed. He said, do not leave me to my oppressors. Do not let me suffer persecution at the hand of my oppressors. Be surety for your servant for good. Do not let the proud oppress me. Surety is a person who takes responsibility for another person. Um, Could be a guarantee to pay someone else's debt. Um, But that right there stood out. It's like, man, that's exactly what happened in Romans 5.8. But God demonstrated his own love that yet while we were still sinners, he died for us. I mean, he sees it, he's like, teach me, be sure to be that for me, because he knew that he couldn't do it. He, he, he knew that he could not pay his debt, his debt of sin. And uh, I looked at that, I was like, wow, man, he just really, how, does he, how did he understand this so many years ago, you know? In verse, one, in verse 23, he says, My eyes fail from seeking your salvation and your righteous word. I was like, man, my eyes fail all the time. I mean, all the time. I look, um, you know, that's why it's so important to come to church every Thursday. Every Tuesday, come to Bible study, come to prayer on Saturday. That's why it's so important because, you know, my eyes fail. I I fail all the time. But it's so easy to get stuck in these ruts, you know, when we fail. But I heard, you know, it says, real courage is going from failure to failure and still having enthusiasm. And that's what, as Christians, we got to do because we're, we're human. There was only one perfect person, and I'm not him. But we got to go from our failures to our failures, and we still got to be enthusiastic about it, to know the promises of God, to stay plugged into this Word. <clears throat> so it's just so important, every chance you get to stay plugged in because we are getting pulled apart as a nation. We're getting pulled apart as Christians. So it's very, very important that we just continue to stay plugged in It says, deal with your servant according to your mercy and teach me your statutes. Statutes are defined as uh, like a law passed by a legislative body. That's a statute. So the psalmist here is saying, teach me, God, your law. Don't teach me the ways of the world. I want you to teach me your laws and have mercy upon me. I mean, our God is so merciful. I, I go through, I'm like, man, I don't deserve his mercy. And as I read this, it's like, wow. This guy really had an understanding I I wish I could have. Teach me your ways. Teach me your statutes. In verse 25, it says, I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. Testimonies equal a declaration of truth or fact. That's what a testimony is. He's saying, forget about the world, man. Teach me your declaration, your truth, your facts. You know, People tell you a big enough lie, tell you often enough it becomes a truth. He understood that. He's like, I don't want to know what the world's doing. I don't don't care about the world. I want to be taught your truth. I want to be taught your law. You know, and it's hard because we see so many things now because it's so much half-truth. Everywhere we look, it's a half-truth. You see someone's agenda, and they throw in a little ingredient of what they have to teach you, and then that's kind of what they just throw out there. And you see these religions all popping up all over with all these different beliefs. But he's like, no, I don't want that. I want your truth. I want your law. He's saying, teach me, Lord. Feed me. Fuel me. Fill me. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your your word and your law. In verse 26, he says, It is time for you to act, O Lord, for they have regarded your law as void. (laughs) They have regarded your law as void. Do you guys see that happening every day? God's law just completely void. I mean, we see it here. People trying to remove all existence of God. We see it in the schools. We see it in the government. We see it at work. I had a prayer group at our, um, some people I worked with, and they used to meet together, and they would pray and sing it every, like, the first Wednesday of the month. And somebody had come in, a customer had come into their shop and complained to the head company that they, they were offended. You know, just people gathering together at lunchtime praying. This person said he was offended that they didn't think that that was, you know, something that should be conducted at work, and uh, so the company said they couldn't do it anymore. And it's sad trying to remove all the existence. And Jacob sent me this. Uh, it was awesome how this kind of flowed together. If you got a chance, go to Second Timothy. We're gonna read verse three. It was funny I was going through this, and Jacob said this over. And I was like, man, that's so perfect to what is being taught right here. Second Timothy, chapter three, verse thirteen. We're going to read all the way to 17. It says, But evil men and apostles will grow worse and worse, deceiving and be, being deceived. But as for you, continue in the things which you have learned and be assured of knowing from who you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The man of God may be complete through uh, thoroughly equipping for every good work. And that's crazy how this written thousands of years ago is the same thing here. That men are evil, right? They're going to continue to deceive you and do evil things. And you knew this. People see saying that they're looking at God's laws void. It's something that just continues to happen. That's why it's so important to stay plugged in, to keep coming every Thursday if you can, to keep coming every Sunday. <clears throat> and then if we look in 27, this is where it started to hit me as a, as a Christian, as a person. In verse 27 it says, Therefore I love your commandments more than gold. Yes, then find gold. And I was like, how can anybody love God's commandments more than gold? Especially in today's age, right? Everything is about money. Everything is about status and power and what do you have, what do you drive, where do you live, what kind of purse do you have, what kind of wallet do you have, you know? And so I was like, how, how do you have a love for God more than gold? We see, he, he, it's not the first time he talked about it. He said in verse 14, he talked about it. In verse 47, he talked about it. In verse 72, he talked about it. And now in verse 27, he's bringing it up again how you can have more love for God than even gold. So I was thinking, man, how do you have more love for God than gold? And, I, and this battle came to me. One of the greatest stories in the Bible, in my opinion, the battle of David and Goliath. And uh, one, hopefully with the youth, we're going to teach it but it's going to t- it takes a couple of weeks. You can't just teach the story of David and Goliath and the story of David in one sermon. It takes weeks to really teach it and be effective at it. So for tonight, we're just going to do use this as a reference. And uh, we're going to turn to uh, 1 Samuel, chapter 17. And it's going to be verse 34 and 37. And then we'll read verse 45 and 47. 1 Samuel 17 says, therefore, David said, oh, I'm sorry, 34. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. I've lived in Alaska and bears are majestic from far away. But well, when you're up close, they scare, they're scary. A grizzly bear, I've seen grizzly bears come in from some, in some of my shops I worked at. 10 feet, some almost 11 feet tall, grizzly bears. Their paws, I have a picture I was going to try to bring. I have pretty big hands. I put my hands in the middle of a pad of a grizzly bear, and it didn't even touch the ends of the pad. And then his claws were still about five inches out past my fingers. It said a grizzly bear could swipe your head and take it completely off your shoulders with one swipe. That's how big and powerful. And David says, I went after it, and I struck it down. I would be like, hmm, I got 300 sheep. <laughs> yeah, we'll just have to have another one have babies, because he's going to eat that sucker for lunch. I ain't going after it. That's what I would have done, right? But he says, I went out after it, and I struck it and killed it. In verse 36, he says, Your servant has killed both a lion and a bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. He knew, Saul knew, man, this guy is on fire. You know, it's sad because we see David and the story... In the children's Bibles, as this little kid, you know, this little scrawny kid, ah, going out there with a the little rubber band. You know, he was, a, he was the age of some of you here. He was a teenager. But he was physically strapping and strong, and he wasn't just this little kid. So we read 45 and 47. This is when he goes to battle. And then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcass of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and of the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all the assembly shall know that the Lord does not save by sword and spear, But the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. This is a love greater than gold and silver. This is the kind of commitment that I would like to have. The Lord was more real to David than the giant. The Lord was more real to David than Mr. Loudmouth, the Philistine, right? He stood out there and he cursed at him and he yelled at him for weeks and days. Goliath was over nine feet, two inches tall. He had never lost a battle up until this point ever. He was the strongest man in the Philistine army. And when David got there, they said there was over 30,000 Jews that were afraid, 30,000 Jews that were scared, that were frightened. But God was more real to David than the giant. He was so confident that God would deliver him. I was like, wow, that is awesome. That's the kind of love I want to have for the Lord. That's how we can serve the Lord and say, I love your commandments more than gold. When he becomes that real to us. And we only get that way by continuing to read, continuing to grow. I shared a, a story with the youth last week. Um, it's, uh, we were teaching Mark 4. If you get a chance, when you go home tonight, read Mark 4, chapter 4. It's the parable of the sower and how we are to bear fruit as Christians. The story I'm going to share with you is how as Christians we get rooted in and can we can grow this firm foundation. Because that's what we have to have, especially in this time, in this age, where there's just so much false teaching and preaching. We have to have this firm foundation. So I shared this story, so I hope it kind of makes sense, but it's a story of a bamboo Chinese tree. All right? We, we shared this last week. And what's crazy about it is you plant this little seed... And nothing happens. So the first year, you watered it, you fertilized it, you, you, you made sure it got fertilizer and sunlight, and nothing happens. You're like, wow. So the next year, you come by. Second year, you water it, you fertilize it, you nurture it, you take care of it, and nothing happens. It still doesn't grow. And the third year, you do it again. You're out there, you water it, you fertilize it, you take care of it, you make sure it has sunlight, and still nothing happens. So here At this point, you're like, ah, someone sold me a bad tree, a bad seed, right? Fourth year, you're like, all right, I'm not giving up. I'm going to do it one more time. You fertilize it, you water it, you protect it, and still nothing happens. So on the fifth year, they say the fifth year, this is what's great. You fertilize it, you protect it, you water it, and finally, finally it starts to grow. And in five weeks, the tree will grow 90 feet in five weeks. So the question was that I asked was, did the tree grow 90 feet in five weeks or did it grow 90 feet in five years? Well, the answer is obvious. It it grew 90 feet in five years because that's how long it takes, right? To get the root system built, to get the roots to grow, to be able to hold. I mean, especially up here, if you have a tree that's 90 feet tall with these winds here, it's going to fall over. But it has to grow. It has to be rooted in And we're kind of like bamboo trees as people. We invest hours and hours, you know, trying to help um, ourselves, you know. We spend hours, and and sometimes nothing happens. We spend hours and hours sometimes disciplining our children and growing up, and sometimes nothing happens. I mean, I've seen, we used to call them PCs, the pastor's kids, right? And sometimes they run amok, and pastors have just, you know, instilled this in them over and over. Excuse me, nothing's happened. And I've seen this in business. You hold meetings and you do seminars and you do training with people and you try to nurture them and nothing happens. And then especially like with family, this is the hardest part, with family or close friends, you double your efforts and you try to help them and you try to give them advice and you try to help them make better decisions from the drugs and, you know, the alcohol and the pornography that we're facing every day. And still nothing happens. It's like, wow. But if you're like most people, you know, you're tempted to quit. You know, you're like, I'm going to give up. I don't see anything happening. I'm going to give up. I'm going to quit. But if you give up, the seed's going to die. But if you continue to care for the seed one day when you least expect it, it's like magic. It just starts growing. 90 feet in five weeks. They say you can actually sit there and look at the bamboo tree and you can actually watch it grow in front of your eyes. It's amazing. And that's how our faith and that's how we grow. We have to gain strength by being able to withstand the winds and the weather. And it's difficult to see the changes taking place, but it's a necessary process as Christians. And I know sometimes you're like, man, I've been praying and I've been praying and my prayers haven't been answered. This, maybe this whole God thing is not, not right for me or real for me. And you see so many people leaving the faith because we just give up. But I'm telling you, don't give up. Can't give up. When we stay focused and when we continue to trust the Lord and we continue to stay the course, right? That's, our, that's what we've been doing for the last year since I've been here, you know? Zeke's saying, stay the course. It's so important and that's how we stay the course is by digging into this Bible every single day. When the Lord becomes more real to us, like he was to David, that's when we stop living like we have a thousand years left to live and we start living right now for today. Because that's what's important. So what's happening right now, today? doesn't matter what's happened tomorrow or in the future, what's happening right now. So what's verse 28? Therefore, all your precepts concerning all things I consider to be right. I hate every false way. Precepts are a general rule intended um, to regulate like behavior and thought. That's, that's what a precept is. And he says right here, therefore, your thoughts your behavior concerning all things I consider to be right. I was like, man, that's awesome. This is when we just start, we trust the Word of God. We trust what He has to say. We say, this is infallible, it's true, it's correct, and I'm going to believe it. And then we're going to share that with people. I consider to be right, and I hate every false way. It's hard because it's so easy to just love false ways nowadays, especially with so much information at our fingertips and everything so easy. Information highway. You know, we got TVs and internets and cell phones and we have things that you can get you whatever you want, whenever you want it. So I just encourage you to hate every false way. 29 and 30, your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. The entrance of your word gives light it gives understanding to the simple. It gives understanding to the simple. That's what I love about it, because I'm simple. I'm simple-minded. We are learning with the kids in Mark 4, right? Jesus had to teach us parables, and he says, I got to teach these people simple, simple form. You know? Like, at the men's, in the men's meeting, I told you guys, I didn't graduate college. I barely graduated high school, right? I'm simple. I'm simple-minded, I'm not the smartest guy on the block, definitely not the sharpest tool in the shed. I was an outstanding student, though, because I spent most of my time outstanding in the hall. But, you know, I had to wake some people up. His game. But, you know, that's the outstanding student I was. I barely graduated. You know, when I, when I applied for the sheriff's department, I was sitting in front of the, the chief, and he says, hmm, your grades in high school weren't so good. What, can you explain that? I was like, I was a teenager. I was a boy. I knew everything. <laughs> he was all, all right. <laughs> I like that. I got no excuse. I was a kid. I was, I was a moron. <laughs> all right? But he teaches us in simple. If you get home, read, read Mark 4. He has to teach us because we're simple. But the problem is that we put so much, we twist everything that the, that the word says, and we don't have to. If we just sit here and read it and pray about it, God will start revealing things to us. It's crazy. I was telling Erica, I was doing a new Bible study. I said, I read, it was a totally different verse and a totally different chapter. I said, I've read this verse, I don't know, maybe 20 times. And I said, I never understood it until today. It was like 4.30 in the morning. I was, I was doing my Bible study. I was, I was praying, you know, I was like, man, Lord, help me with my Bible study. I want to make sure I just keep learning the word. And I was like, I never, ever saw that in that, in that verse ever before. Until now. And that's how he works. He starts revealing it to you. The more you read it, the more you stay plugged in. <clears throat> so we'll read verse 31. It says, I opened my mouth and panted, for I long for your commandments. And I was like, man, I have a, a German shepherd at home. And she's like, oh, faithful, man, this dog is cool. This dog will chase a ball for hours. She will not stop chasing the ball until you stop throwing it. I mean, that, I don't know if you guys have ever seen a dog like that. But what's crazy is she comes back and she's panting and she's just slobbering and drooling and she'll drop the ball and you grab it and she just stops and gets all intense and she's like, he's going to throw it again? Is he gonna throw? And if you throw it, she'll chase it. And I, I was reading this verse and I was like, man, that is how I want to be with the word of God. Open my mouth and panted for I longed for your commandments. I was like, I got a lesson from my slobbery dog. That dog wants that ball all day long. And I was like, that's how I want to be with the Word of God. I want to know and in the Word of God and just read it and learn it and flip through it. That's how I want to have that kind of panting for the Word. That's what I see when I saw that verse. Just wanting, longing for His commandments. So important. So we go one, uh, verse 13. Look upon me and be merciful to me as your custom is towards those who love your name. Be merciful Man, none of us deserve mercy, right? None of us deserve it at all. But somehow God's love, it's amazing to see how merciful he is. We see that in, in even 1 John 1, 9. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, to forgive you and cleanse you. I mean, that's crazy. God is so merciful. He says, just come before me and confess your sins and I'll forgive you. That's, I mean, it's just amazing to me. Mercy is, uh, you know, you hear people, sometimes they say, oh, we put him out of his misery. We felt that that was merciful. I mean, you've seen doctors that, you know, they've arrested because they put people out of their misery, saying, I I gave them mercy. I I freed them from their sickness and from their pain. Mercy has also been seen as giving compassion or forbearance to an offender that deserves punishment. That's a hard one for me, because I'm like, man, if you did wrong, you deserve it, you deserve it. That's hard for me. Like, God is so merciful, and here he is just saying, God, be merciful to me. We don't deserve it. It's God's free will decision to be kind and forgiving to those that He loves and those that are under His authority and power. And we see that He says, it's custom towards those who love your name. He is going to give you mercy. And I know it's hard because we go through life and we go through all this and say, man, I want more. I want more out of life. I want more out of this, more out of that. We don't get what we want. But God's still like, hey, I'm still merciful. I still love you. I still care for you. Verse 133, direct my steps by your word and let no iniquity have dominion over me. This is a hard one for me. This is something that all all of us need as Christians, that God will direct our paths. This is something that I struggle with. This is hard for me, just being human. You know, sometimes we want to go off in a direction because we think it's so much better than what God has for us. And uh, the scripture says, just let the Lord direct your paths, right? Just let Him direct. And you see it. I, I pulled up some verses. I was like, man, it's all over the Bible. But why can't I do it? Why? You know? I get pulled sometimes in so many different directions that I get confused and don't even know which direction to even go then. That happens to me sometimes. I get out, man. I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to blaze through this path. You know, they say, go to the path Less traveled. And I got my machete out and I'm chopping trees down and I'm, you know, going through the mud. And, and God's like, hey, what are you doing? I got this road over here. It's paved. It's got street signs and gutters. What are you doing over there? I got this, God. I got this. And then I'm like, I don't got this. So much easier and so much rewarding when we just surrender and let God direct us. And we see that in Proverbs three, five, and six, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lead not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. This stuff was written thousands of years ago, man. And it's just, the more I read it, I'm like, this is like, he's talking to me. It's so real and it's so relevant and it's so much truth. That's why it's so important, man. And I'm so blessed that our church continues to just push on and teach the whole word, not just bits and pieces, man, but the whole thing. And sometimes it's hard. And we struggle with it, but it's so important, and I'm so thankful that we have that in this church. A lot of things don't make sense, and a lot of things we're not going to understand, but we just got to trust the Lord. Keep reading your Bible daily, learning the Scriptures, understanding them, reading them, learning them. 134 and 135 says, Redeem me from the oppression of man, that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. This is just kind of a a reiteration of what he's already been teaching us, right? We read 136, and this is where I was like, man, this is powerful when I started really studying it. Rivers of water run down from my eyes because men do not keep your law. And I I started, I, I read a commentary and it said he wept in sympathy with God to see the holy law despised and broken. He wept in pity for men who were thus drawing down upon themselves the fiery wrath of God. Could you imagine the solemnness today? I mean, just what he would be crying and weeping because of what's just so broken. We see the entire sin of the entire human race like never before. Before, they were kind of just, um, you know, they were in their own city, they kind of saw what was happening in their just immediate surrounding, but now we see it all over. We see it throughout the whole entire world, the whole globe with the internet and with the radio and the, and the TV. So much lawlessness and so much tolerance to sin. That's why it's so important to hold on to these treasures. <clears throat> Trust the Lord. We've got to remember First Corinthians, it says, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. It's okay to act like men. I know the world doesn't want you to. They say, oh, you're sexist. You're acting like a man. Well, I am a man. I'm going to act like one. Be strong. Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. I'm going to stand strong. Right? Because adversity's coming like we've never seen before. You guys, we have got to get ready to stand strong because it's coming. He says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. That's Psalms 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. But he wept because of the fiery rats. I was going to read you. I, wrote a, I took a couple things down of what's happening right now across the nation. Because a lot of this stuff that, that we don't get to see it all. You just see little bits of pieces. You don't see what's really happening. So this is what's really happening. This is happening in 10 different countries. Right now in Iraq, this was written from uh, a lady right here in California, U.S. House of Representatives. She says, according to the Pew study, more Christians are now faced with religious persecution than at any time since their history. Right now. <clears throat> ISIS posts videos de- uh, delineating Christians as second-class people, thus unwilling to pay their Um, Jizra attacks or to convert, they'll be destroyed. That's what they've declared over in Iraq. They had videos. I don't know if you guys even heard or anything. Um, They took a bunch of Christians, Ethiopian and Egyptian Christians. They marched them to the beach and they beheaded all of them. And they videotaped it and recorded it. That's what's happening. That's why it's so important to stand strong in this faith, to understand the Bible, to read the whole thing, not just a little bit, but to dig in. In Kenya, right now, they said uh, that they've killed over 2,000 Christians year-to-date for just 2015, just for being Christian. In India, (laughs) it isn't just Muslims that are killing Christians, the Hindus. In India, they regularly conduct violent attacks against Christians in churches. This is one example that was posted in a news agency of EFI, India has reportedly attacked Christians in their country. There was over 200 of them that attacked this church. 200 Hindus came in and burned it down to the ground and beat up their Christians just for being Christians. It took place on June 14th. In Pakistan, on Sunday, May 24th, a Christian man was burnt to death because he threw some newspapers in a fire to keep warm. Then it had uh, some Muslim writing about their God. They burned him to death because they said that he <clears throat> desecrated Allah. In China, yesterday, they declared over 2,000 churches' crosses had to be pulled down. They demolished churches to the ground, and they started imprisoning pastors. That's what's happening over there. In Nepal, they made it illegal. This is actually in their constitution now, which is a Hindu, and Nepal is a big Hindu nation, that in their new constitution, it was drafted that they were to ban anyone converting to Christianity. That is what they put in their law in their country now. It is illegal. Churches cannot be registered as a legal body and cannot buy property. They're not allowed. And we sit there and we think, oh, it's never going to happen here. It's not going to happen here, but it's happening. Up in Seattle, up by the Space Needle, the KMO TV reporter videotaped a group of gay and lesbian activists beating up two Christian pastors. This was in Seattle, Washington, not too long ago, just for going out there with their signs to protest. They beat them up. They have it on video. It's happening and it's coming here. So psalmist says, I wept, rivers of water ran down my face. That happened thousands of years ago. It's happening today. This Bible is more relevant and more real to us right now. So I hope that uh, I hope that, that made sense. <laughs> it was hard, man. This is the hardest study I've ever had to do, psalms, you know, Is the hardest study ever. It's really hard to expound on, you know, this stuff. And it's like, wow. So I hope that this touched your hearts. So let's pray. Dearly Father, Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy and your kindness. We thank you, Lord, for never giving up on us. And we thank you for your instructions that you continue to give to us over and over. We love you, Lord. We thank you for everything that you do for us. And we just... I ask that you protect everyone here as they go home. Keep them safe, Lord. And I pray that they will hide your word in their heart, Lord. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.